truly like I think more Americans this shouldn't just be background noise it 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 and it really is and nobody really thinks about it or talks about it or or if they do it's like oh yeah what you know what well, are, what's trump going to do with the troops let, but, let me tell you mm-hmm. where, where my thinking is maybe it's uh i'm a uh, typical of what you believe people think afghanistan was an enemy Afghanistan uh, had U.S. troops. Afghanistan uh, killed and maimed many Americans. Why are we doing this? Afghan- then all of a sudden, peace supposedly comes to Afghanistan, and uh, everything's going cool. Uh, a little bit concerned of Pakistan and, of course, Iran and Iraq. But Afghanistan, we've taken care of it. And I thought it was all kind of settled down and cool. Mm-hmm. And then this past weekend, mm-hmm. all hell broke loose there. Have I got that right? Well, okay, just sort of to back up. I, I really appreciate that you just kind of gave that really frank, like this is what I what I, I believe I understand, right? You know, yeah. well, you're not claiming to be an expert, but you had sort of a solid interpretation of what's been going on. And I think that not only sounds like, Absolutely, most Americans. Um, the only difference between an adult American giving their assessment and a kid giving their assessment is the kids don't couldn't care less even a little bit, and it's all just absolutely irrelevant information to them. And but it's all pretty much all negative, all understanding that the Afghans are the enemy. So why in the world are we doing this for them? Or and then of course like a million different. Uh, interpretations that, um, you know, this is a, a byproduct of Islam and or a byproduct of their culture or all these things. And the reality is it, it just makes me cringe because it's so it's not like completely wrong, but it's so far wrong that until it get until like people really understand what the problem is, who's going to fix it? This is absolutely unfixable the way that everybody's trying to do it. And but it is fixable. And the first thing is, like I said a minute ago, you can't fix what you don't understand. And if it's like if you took your car in because it's making loud banging noises until you look under the hood and have somebody really, you know, take a, a, a deeper dive. You don't know what to do. And so Americans oftentimes, you know, we kind of fall back on our military like fix this. You know, go drop more big mother of all bombs, bombs, or, you know, I mean, all these little, really dramatic shows of strength. And it's just totally useless. And in fact, it actually just makes it worse. So here's, here's the thing. Now, we're not at war with Afghanistan. We've never been at war with Afghanistan. Afghanistan in the, you know, if you went back to the 1950s and 60s in that period, 70s, I mean, it was like, a, it was a, significant tourist destination mostly for europeans uh it was very it was kind of like india in a way where it's modern contemporary but you know you go there for the ancient culture and it's still all around you and it makes it and they had you know five-star hotels and airplanes that would land foreigners in and out the universities were filled with students girls you i i can show you photographs of of afghan Coeds walking down the street, uh, girls wearing short skirts and no burqas, uh, very uh, progressive thinkers, and it was a moderate Islamic nation. Yes, the, the religion there was primarily Islam, but, you know, just a, a moderate nation of, you know, nothing extreme. 
and uh, and and they were also known as a pretty peaceful people. Now they ha- have had a reputation for in- outside invaders. They're very they're very nationalistic, as I think most nations would want to be for outside invaders. Britain tried to invade three different times, and they invaded from India. Basically, they when they occupied India. So when when they say Britain invaded three different times. Well, that was when Britain owned, you know, was occupying, well, owned India. Colonial. Colonized India. And so they were just trying to expand, expand their borders and their reach. And uh, the Afghans pushed them back every time. And uh, so uh, when they say, oh, you can't, you know, you can't beat the Afghans, all they were doing is just protecting their own borders and being pretty solid about it. Then in, um, in 1979, that was when everything started changing because Russia and the, well, the Soviet Union, they were expanding, taking all the countries and uh, in that whole region for geopolitical influence. And they went into Afghanistan, too. And, um, and the Afghans, are, they fought back as much as they could. But, I mean, you're dealing with, they weren't a poor nation, but they, they, didn't have, they didn't, certainly didn't have the might to beat back the Russians. I mean, they're obviously one of the most sophisticated, <laughs> well-equipped militaries. And so um, the U.S., what they did, and this is a really important part, because the U.S. has always you know, had their Cold War going on with Russia, and they did not want them to take Afghanistan, because once they start reaching down there, now they're really getting into, again, that geopolitical area where the Americans, they, want, they were actually vying for control. And just a little tiny side note is after World War II, both the Russians and the Americans were massively building infrastructure in Afghanistan. They were kind of vying for, courting them almost, and building aqueducts and roads and airports and many, many things, both the Russians and the Americans, because they both wanted to have that influence in the region. So when the Russians just started plowing through in tanks and taking over, the Americans, they didn't want to get involved in a war because it's the same as, you know, the American citizens are like, we're tired of war, it's expensive, blah, blah, blah. It's same arguments in World War II, it's not our problem. And, you know, you'll have your military strategist saying, well, it will be our problem if, if we don't, if we lose that area, et cetera, et cetera. So what the Americans did is instead of actually uh, sending our own troops in there, what they decided to do is not only arm the Afghans, just give them more weapons so that they can fight the enemy that we don't want there either. But also, they did they, they, they pulled off a really strategic move, which backfired incredibly. They recruited, uh, they're called Mujahideen fighters. They recruited basically gang members, you know, or of gang member mentality from all the neighboring regions. And, uh, and they weren't even Afghans, but they imported them in, Bin Laden was one of them. I mean, just ruthless fighters. And they thought, well, this will be great because you not only have all this weaponry that we're giving you, but here's these diehard fighters and leaders, and they'll get the job done. And, and they did get the job done. But then what happened is, and you can watch watch Charlie Wilson's War sometime. It's a great movie. Tom Hanks is in it, so it's got a good all-star cast. It's not so overly documentary. But you'll just you'll marvel at like the true story that nobody knows. So after they pushed the Russians back uh, with with these Mujahideen fighters, they um, they <clears throat> didn't want to do nation building or any of that other costly stuff. But there's a power vacuum. There's no there's no government there, and after ten years of fighting, the infrastructure is crumbled. You know the place is a mess. But they uh, schools had been shuttered. You know d- people displaced. It's chaos. But instead of uh, 
doing you know anything to just sort of help help them get on their feet again they just left the vacuum there so all of these mujahideen you you brought in the gangsters of the world and what do you think they're going to do they're all fighting for control so it propelled them into a five-year-long civil war where all of these different warlord factions from these different regions were all fighting for control and none of them are afghans i mean they're they're all outsiders and and when you're dealing with you know el chapo times 10 they don't care and they, and they don't even care what they're destroying because it's not their country anyway and so it's just this free-for-all that went on for five solid years and my afghan friends are like that was the worst of all that time was the worst of all because there wasn't even any sense of decency you know like even in even in world war ii there were areas that that nobody wanted to bomb just because they were too beautiful and historic, right? Like parts of Paris or, you know, different regions and things. And this is like you're dealing with people who couldn't care less. And so that went on for five years. Again, schools are shuttered. Nobody can even move. The the front lines were all over the place. I mean, people just died in their homes because they couldn't even get to a a store. And uh, one of my friends, um, his he was born during this time and the and when he was born the family had already dug his grave in the backyard because they're like he'll never survive and he did it's another story you should have him on someday anyway and then what happened is is the only end to this was um and i mean if the americans didn't want to get involved before they certainly don't want to get involved now now it's just a, a crazy crazy fight and so meanwhile in, there's so many refugees that had fled across the borders, and they're living in, in refugee camps. And, and, you know, a lot of them are in Pakistan. And these at these Pakistan refugee camps, like, you know, most of the kids are orphaned. I mean, they have no parents. Nobody's looking out for them. So this is where the Taliban started. And it was started as... Um, uh, and as as member Ramiz Alawala pointed out, the Saudi funding came in. And this is when the Saudis were wanting to... to get away from uh, liberal liberal uh, religion and kind of get into more conservative religion. And they funded a lot of these uh, trainings. And to the, the, this is where this extremist ideology came in. It was targeted very strategically with a lot of money, a lot of people uh, in Pakistan that were happy to take advantage of this and take advantage of these Afghan orphans in Pakistan. There's a lot of orphans. And then... They created a militia out of it, and the militia came in because it was very well organized and funded, and it came in back into Afghanistan in the early 80s, and uh, and they actually, that was actually had enough power to push all of these warring factions out of business. They didn't kill them, but they just pushed them all to the north, and they displaced them out of Kabul. The Taliban took over. Instead of a militia, it became a militia and a government. It's very similar to ISIS in so many ways where it's it's they they want to run a state and they also are going to enforce this extremist ideology or else and um anyway so then uh that they lasted for about five or six years and until the and they welcomed bin laden to work out of afghanistan so the taliban they weren't even afghans either they're you know they came from again more opportunist outsiders and they said, Bin Laden, you can stay here as long as you want. You're our guest, and you can do whatever you want. And, you know, we hate the Americans, too. Go ahead. 9-11 was plotted from there. Everybody knew about it. 
And it wasn't until 9-11 that, and the Americans knew, the you know, our, our government and, and CIA knew all this and stuff. But at what point do they want to get involved? I mean, it's just such an ugly, hot mess. Nobody wants to uh, get involved because nobody even knows what to do about it. And until 9-11, um, then now everybody's like, oh, Afghanistan. And, and then now everybody's attention is focused to Afghanistan. That is a pretty quick timeline, but at no point were the Afghans the enemy. The Afghans are the opposite. They're like these people that are literally trapped in the middle of all these outsiders' agendas. But um, I think I think teachers and parents and teenagers should be Googling GSD immediately after they listen to this to say, how can I help my teenager understand what's going on in Afghanistan so that they're not not only misinformed because that doesn't help anything, but again, you you can't you can't fix what you don't understand. And we call it the GSD network, and the GSD network is where, as simple as this, kids come, we teach them what's going on. We call it it's a training program where they understand everything that's really going on, and then we put them to work helping us out. We need help, and we need help not for military. Not from professors, not from academics or veterans or anybody. We do not need that. We need young minds that are fresh and can can look at a a, a, a puzzle and that has not been made any progress on putting the puzzle together. And we need their fresh ideas. And you know what? They're really good at it. Are you going to travel into war torn Afghanistan Kabul in well, the near future? It kind of it kind of depends. Actually, we 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 base our trips based around what's happening in the network and what what are the kids doing? What's happening? What, what's needed? What are our opportunities coming up? And right now, I would love it if we. Um, Right now, we've got a, a lot of, we call them operatives. We call the teenagers that are in the network operatives because we give them really important assignments, and they're they're not volunteers, and you're not picking up trash and being do-gooders. You're literally doing work that the world needs, and I need about a dozen new recruits to help put together some new materials and, and ideas, and if I can do that and we can kind of get this next phase in, then we will go back, and we will again bring this whole th- we just kind of keep moving the level up to higher and higher levels and and uh and then getting the afghan kids to we need you to recruit another 100 kids on your end and we need another 100 over in this province and we need another 100 over in that province and it just keeps growing and growing D- uh dina fessler my guest it. on the wayne eddie affair on the one 95.1 fm and 1080 on your am dial this is kymn